Hey everyone, my name is Kurt Gray, and welcome to the Toya Christian Fellowship Podcast. To give online, see upcoming events, or see our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Happy spring break for those of you that have it. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I want to do two things this morning before I bring you the word. Uh, we've been doing a series on miracles. And uh, Sonny, would you stand up, please? This is Sonny. And uh, many of y'all know Sonny. And he just got back from having his second brain surgery. Uh, he had a tumor removed and it had come back and he had it removed. And uh, everything went incredibly well. And he goes tomorrow for a checkup. And we've been praying for him. I know many of you have. And I wanted to brag on Jesus and what God is doing in his life and his family. And would y'all give the Lord a hand clap? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, in the last two weeks, we've had two families in this church who uh, have had loved ones that have had brain surgery. And uh, one right now is me and Dennis Harkins. Uh, D- uh, Dennis plays the bass a lot. And uh, his wife is in Covenant this morning in Lubbock. And uh, she has been fighting brain cancer. And uh, she had surgery three years ago and had the tumor removed. And it had come back. And uh, she did surgery a couple of days ago. And it is still touch and go uh, right now. And so I want, before I start, I know I, I want to pray. And I want to pray for her and for her family. And, uh, and then we'll jump into talking about miracles. Okay. All right. So just join me in prayer. Father, I want to lift up May and Dennis to you this morning. And Father God, I pray, Lord, we've been talking about miracles and Lord, we pray a miracle for May. We pray that you would touch her brain, that you would restore her, that uh, she would recover, that your grace would be on her. Lord, we're not afraid to pray that that cancer would be gone out of her body and that Jesus, you're bigger than cancer. Lord, give her husband peace. Give her children peace. Father, Amanda would have peace. Brandy would have peace. Sparky would have peace. Father, her children, her grandchildren, that your grace is on them and that you you cover them and bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Thank you so much for praying. I know many of you have had many things going on in your life. We've been talking about miracles and uh, we've been talking about the thing. Here's what's been on my heart. I just wanted to stir you up to have a place in your walk with God within the framework of your Christian faith that you could believe in miracles. You know, let's just be honest. All of us in this room have had unanswered prayer. Okay, I've had unanswered prayer. You've had unanswered prayer. I've got things in my life, I know you do too, that I've said to myself and to others, the minute I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask God, why, why this, why that? And, uh, and I haven't chosen why I've chosen God. And, and I, and I know now in my faith that when I get there, you know, it's not going to matter. Okay. Uh, you know, we don't really know what happened to my brother when he crashed and when he was killed that second anniversary that's coming up in April and he was a good pilot and there's really been no conclusive evidence of why. And you know, when I get there, that's one of the first things I'm going to say is what in the world were you doing? Right. I mean, were you picking your nose? Were you not paying attention? What were you doing, right? And I know what he's going to say. Dude, it don't matter. Let's go swimming, right? 
I mean, that's, that's what he's going to say because it isn't going to matter. So I know that all of us have that in our life. And when I get up here and talk about miracles, I know it's easy to say, yeah, that's all great, preacher. Uh, that's all fine and dandy. But, you know, it didn't happen for my brother or it didn't happen for my grandmother or it didn't happen for me. And so as we move forward, just kind of what's on my heart is, can I just encourage you, if, that, if that's you, if you feel like you're one of those people, uh, I, I want a life where I can trust God for miracles. And I want to be able to not be afraid to believe in miracles, even though maybe I've been disappointed and maybe you have too. Listen, here's what I think. I think we have nothing to lose, okay? Unbelief gets me nothing, right? Doubt gets me nothing. Cynicism gets me nothing. And if I can dare trust God, even though I've been hurt maybe, and I can say, hey, God, you're a God of miracles and you still do miracles, uh, it makes my life better and, and hopefully it makes your life better. Now, what have we found out? Well, we found out in Jeremiah that God spoke through the prophet and he told the nation of Israel, he asked them a question. He said, is there anything too hard for me? And the answer to that, of course, is no. Then we know God sent Gabriel, the angel, to tell Mary, hey, you're gonna have a child and that child's gonna be the son of God. And that angel said, with God, all things are possible. Then we found out in the book of Hebrews, it says about Jesus, that Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday. He's in my today and he's in my tomorrows. You see, you and I live in a prison right now called time. And God does not live in that prison. And he was in my yesterdays, he's in my today, and he'll be in my tomorrow. The Bible says that he knows the beginning from the end. And so he's at work in my tomorrows, he's at work in your tomorrow. Then what did we find out? Well, we found out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. That king made an idol, and because they wouldn't bow, because they had a passion for their God, God showed up in their situation. Listen, passion secures God's presence in your life. And they told the king, they said, hey, we believe God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow. Now, I know, I wanna say this too. I know a lot of people who, who have given up on God and they've given up on church and they've given up on God and a lot of times they have because of unanswered prayer. They have because they've been hurt. Uh, you know, the worst thing about church is it's filled with people, right? And, and we're all broken people. And I know people who've given up on God because things haven't gone their way. And listen, I, I've never wanted to be that kind of Christian. And so I'm always encouraged by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they told God, hey, God, even if we burn, even if we're toast today, okay, we're still not going to bow and because they didn't bow, because the passion, because the fire on the inside of them was hotter than the fire in the furnace, let me say it again, because the fire on the inside of them for God was hotter than the furnace, Jesus showed up. Listen, your passion always draws God, and anytime God is on the scene, there's always a potential for the supernatural. There's always a potential for miracles. And it says that old king looked in the fire and said to his guys, hey, didn't we throw three guys in the fire? Uh, I see a fourth man, and he says, and he looks like the son of God. Now, don't you find that amazing? I do. 
He's an old heathen. Nebuchadnezzar's an idol worshiper. He didn't know Jehovah. He didn't know the God of the Jews. He'd certainly never heard of Jesus. I mean, that was something that the Jews were struggling with that hasn't even happened yet. And he says, hey, that guy looks like the son of God. And Jesus, the fourth man, was there in the fire. Now, before I move on, and I know we're reviewing, but I think it's so important. God didn't get them out of the fire. He was with them in the fire. Now, I think that makes a huge difference. Some of you have been through some fires. Yeah, haven't you? Some of you have been in some fires. And I want you to know that whatever you're in, whatever's going on. See, we prayed this morning with May and Dennis, and they're in intensive care in Lubbock, and Jesus is right there with them. He's right there with them in the fire. Amen? Then Kurt talked about the blind man and how Jesus took some mud and, and he rubbed some spit in it and he put it on the guy's eyes and he went and washed and, and he was healed. And what did we find out? Well, we found out that you and I are made out of dirt. You paint it, you wash it, you bleach it, you dye it, you color it, but it's still dirt. I'm talking about your body, right? Have you used some soap on it lately? Your neighbor's hoping you have, amen? <laughs> amen, amen, your neighbor's hoping that you have. Uh, some of you put on some perfume, man, I put on, I, you know, I, I, I cleaned up last night and shaved and put on a little brute, right? Remember brute, you old guys, right? I still got me some bread. Quit shaking your head at me. Like, you know, he's like, pastor still buys brute. Yeah, I got some brute, man. I got some old spice. Okay. I, I've even got some English leather. I'm, I'm old school, man. What is wrong with y'all? You know, thank you. Thank you. So, so I cleaned it up. But here's the thing. The Bible says that the glory of God dwells in earthen or clay vessels. You see, this right here is a clay vessel. It's temporary, okay? And Jesus took mud, and it says he made clay, and he rubbed it in his eyes. Now, here's what we found out. We found out that when you take your dirt and you take the DNA of Jesus Christ, it's a recipe for a miracle, now, let's talk about dirt, okay? Two thoughts. It's, it's the basic building block of humanity, but I know when I use the word dirt, you've all got some in your life. Now, I don't mean dust in the cobwebs. I'm talking about I got stuff in my life that is dirt. I got some dirt in my life. I got some junk in my life. I got some mess in my life. And when I bring that to Jesus and he spits on it or he puts his DNA on it, it's always a recipe for a miracle, Anytime Jesus is around, it's a recipe for a miracle. Then we talked about old blind Bartimaeus, remember? He's on the side of the road eating dust. And Jesus goes by and he shouts out to him and says, Lord, son of David, which means Messiah. He knew who he was. Now, the thing that's interesting, see, is Bartimaeus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. And Bartimaeus couldn't see physically, but he could see spiritually. And he knew who Jesus was. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, hey, have him come over here. And, uh, and he was healed and he wasn't blind anymore. Now, here's what's interesting about that that I'd like for you to think about. If Bartimaeus had not said anything, he would have stayed blind. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is walking down the road, and he does not. He knows who Bartimaeus is. He'd been there before, and he's been sitting there every day. Are you with me? He's not a stranger. He knows him, and he's walking right on by with the crowd. Bartimaeus decides to speak up. He decides to get out of his comfort zone. He decides he's tired of his blindness. He's tired of his calamity. 
Jesus didn't go to him. He came to Jesus. Now, now listen, I know how you think. I think the same way. Here's what we've been taught in religion. Man, Jesus would never walk by a beggar. He would never walk by a blind man. I mean, if Jesus was sitting at an intersection in his car and there was a poor little guy holding a sign, man, Jesus would help him. I mean, Jesus was, is for the hurting, and he is for the hurting. I'm not saying he's not, but listen, he did not reach out to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus reached out to him. If he had stayed quiet, he would have stayed blind. Amen? And see, you know what we're doing? We're waiting on God. Oh, if it's God's will. Jesus is walking right on down the road, man. And Bartimaeus is like, hey, hey, stop. Right? If he hadn't have done that, he wouldn't have stopped. If he had not spoken up, he wouldn't have stopped. Now, think about the woman with the issue of blood. And I haven't preached on that extensively, but she did the same thing. Jesus is going by. She's in her house. She's in her house because she's bleeding, and it's against culture for her to come outside because they were afraid they'd catch it. So she had to stay in her house. She looks out her window, and she sees Jesus going by. And at that moment, she makes a decision. She leaves her house. She goes out her front gate. Uh, She goes out into the street. She puts herself up into the mob. And as she's being jostled, she falls to the ground. And as she falls to the ground, she reaches out and grabs the hem of his garment. And it says virtue went into her. Now, here's what else is interesting. Jesus didn't know who touched him. Now, I know you could argue he's the son of God. He knows everything, and and, and I'm I'm not going to argue that point. But he turned around, and he said, hey, who touched me? And what did the guy say? Come on, Lord. All kinds of people have touched you. Henry touched you. Bill touched you. Sam touched you. Rusty touched you. David touched you. But only one person touched him with faith. Now, listen, if she'd have stayed in her house looking out the window, she'd have stayed sick. If Bartimaeus had stayed on the side of the road on his blanket, he would have stayed blind. But they got up and they pursued Jesus. See, they didn't wait on him. That's what lots of us are doing. We're waiting. And she didn't wait. She got up and she pursued. I want to read you a new story this morning. And I'm going to read to you out of Luke 5, 17. Uh, listen to this story. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Stop right there. Now, this is the story of the guys that lower their friend through the roof, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But if you'd leave that verse up, listen to what it says. It says that there were Pharisees, there were teachers, there was a bunch of folks from all around, and they were all listening to Jesus teach, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. But only one person is going to get healed in this story. Only one person. When Jesus was walking with the crowd, it says that blind Bartimaeus got healed and nobody else got healed. Was there power there for other people to be healed? You bet there was. The woman with the issue of blood, when she went out and touched his garment and she was healed, was there enough power for other people to be healed? You bet there was. Can I offer a comment? The presence of the Lord is here this morning to heal. The presence of the Lord is here this morning to heal. And you just got to reach out and take it. 
Listen, there's always miracles to those who will reach out. On each corner of the platform, we got some plugs. There's plugs right here. There's some up here. They're all over the building. They're back here. They're, they're all over. They're in your house, right? And all of us know that there's electricity in there. And you know, at Ground Zero on Wednesday night, we do Power Kids. I come down to Ground Zero, and when I come in, all the kids are plugging their phones in. You know, and there's not, right, there's not enough plugs for, key, for phones, right? Everybody's got a phone. And so as soon as they come in the door, they're all plugging in because they need to charge their phones. And, and there's not enough for them to all use. And we all know, whether it's at your house or you're at church or you're at Ground Zero, there's this resource called electricity. But I can stand here and I can cry. I can pray. I can lay down and take a nap. I can say it's God's will. And no electricity's coming out of there. Is that not right? Yeah. Oh, Lord, let the electricity come. Nothing's going to happen. You'd think pastor needs prayer. And some of you think that anyway. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it true? You got to put something in there and you got to put a plug that'll fit in there. And then the electricity flows into whatever it is you're doing. Okay. Faith is the very same way. What did he tell the woman with the issue of blood? Woman, your faith has made you whole. He told blind Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole. In the story we're going to keep reading, it says that he saw their faith. Listen, all you got to do is reach out and plug in. Now, don't miss it. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Now, it's here. Every time we meet, it's here. Every time we meet, it's here. But it's not just here. Okay? It's in your pickup when you're driving to work and you put in a Christian song and you start singing along to uh, the song we just did this morning or any of your favorite songs, I'm a child of God, and God's presence will fill up your vehicle. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put on music and you start crying? You're not crying because you're, you're tenderhearted. You're crying because of the presence of God, right? You know, we do it in our kitchen. You know, I'm helping cook breakfast or I'm cooking breakfast and I put on some good music and while I'm scrambling the eggs, I'll start crying because the presence of God fills up the kitchen. Okay, anytime, anytime God shows up, now God's everywhere, I know that, but I'm talking about more than that. Anytime he shows up, he's there to meet whatever need that you have. And I can be scrambling eggs and his presence will show up. Here's what's interesting. It seems like music always draws the presence of God. It, I don't know what it is. It does. Now, I love music, okay? I love music. You know, I was going somewhere the other night, and I flip over my radio to a, a rock station, and I'm driving down the highway, man. I'm jamming to me some tunes, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, uh, you know not, very, not very long ago, I think just a few maybe even like within a week, the, somebody told me Metallica was in Lubbock. And, and don't raise your hand. Some of you were there, right? And have you ever noticed how when you listen to that music, you drive fast? Yeah, you, you ever notice that? I mean, man, you know, uh, inner sand, man, it's going in the truck. And, I'm, you know, and Vicky's not with me, see? And I'm, man, I'm jamming. And I look down and I'm doing 85. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, slow this thing down, Right? Music does things to you, doesn't it? It does. I mean, if you're working out, right? You know, when you go work out and you put on that music, you're twice as strong as you normally are, right? I mean, it's the truth, right? You put on that music. I mean, if you put on elevator music, you couldn't lift five pounds, right? I mean, it's the truth. Okay, 
praise and worship is the very same way. It, it draws God's presence. And when his presence is there, there's always power to heal. Now, let me keep reading the story. Let's listen to what it says. There were Pharisees and teachers sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. And behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, who they sought to bring in and lay before him. He went, and excuse me, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop. They led him down on his bed through the tile into the midst where Jesus was. When he saw their faith, 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 they did something. You with me? When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? They didn't know he was God. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said, why are you reasoning in your heart? which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose before them, took up what he'd been lying on, departed to his own house and glorified God. Jesus is in somebody's house. There's a bunch of religious dignitaries there. They've come from all over. Imagine this morning that this room, is every seat is full, and people are lined up around the walls. Then the hall is full, the foyer is full, the Java Cafe is full. Outside those doors are people standing trying to listen. Down the sidewalk and down that sidewalk, it's full. When you get down to the doors where Java Cafe is, there's a crowd of people, and there's no way in this building. And these four guys have this friend of theirs who's paralyzed, and he's on a mat. It's not like a four-poster bed. They just slept on mats, and they're holding each corner of it. And they say, hey, hey, whatever the guys say, let's go. Let's go down there to where Jesus is at that house, and we'll go in, and maybe something good will happen. Maybe you'll get healed. Maybe you'll get touched. When they get there, the crowd is so big, there's no way in. Now, here's another interesting thought. Jesus read the religious leaders' minds. It says that, doesn't it? That they said, who does this guy think he is? And he says, let me tell you who I am. Is it easier to forgive sin or heal the sick, rise and walk? He says that he knew their thoughts. I just got a question for you. How come he didn't know that there was a desperate paralytic outside the crowd and he didn't say, hey, y'all, hey out there, open up and let them in? He didn't do that. He didn't do that. So his friends can't figure out how to get in. Now, what do most people do at this point? Well, you leave, right? You leave. Hey, man, this was a great idea. We were hoping you get touched. I mean, I'll get online and check his concert schedule. I mean, maybe he's going to be back this way in a few months, and, and maybe we can hook up with him then. No, they didn't do that. That's what most people do. And we know what the story says. It says they climbed on the roof. Listen, I don't care how they got on the roof. You can read all kinds of studies about how they got on the roof, but I know this, it couldn't have been, whatever, however it happened, whether there were stairs, whether there were steps, I, I don't know. I don't care. Think about four of us trying to get somebody on the roof. Now, their roofs weren't like our roofs. It's not like that. They were shorter, but they put their friend up on the roof. And then we know what happens. Jesus is sitting teaching. 
and they're talking. And all of a sudden, a little trail of dust. Right? That's exactly what happened. Just a little bit of dust. Now, you know how when I'm preaching and somebody opens that door and comes in, and for the next minute, you don't hear a thing I say. <laughs> Isn't it true? Yeah, because you look. You're like, who's coming in? Who is that? And then if it's somebody you know, you think, oh, I wonder what they're doing. Why are they late? Right? Or if it's somebody you don't know, you think, I wonder who that person is and what are they doing here? Right? We're pretty clannish, right? You know? Who is that person, right? We, we, we all, yeah, you know, that's why we put that stuff on the windows so you can't see out because it distracts you. So Jesus is teaching and that little bitty plume of dust and somebody thinks, man, we need to call the exterminator. Must be something up there. And it just gets worse. And it gets worse. And now all of a sudden there's daylight. And it says they're pulling the tile back. Now, listen, you don't lower somebody through a hole that big, right? If you're lowering Kevin and Rusty through there, uh, they're going to have to do some digging, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, man. First off, we would stay paralyzed because they couldn't even carry us there. I mean, yeah, it would have been bad. I mean, right? It's like, oh, my Lord, how are we going to even get this done? Well, the dirt starts coming down. The tiles start falling through, and the hole just keeps getting bigger. Now, can I ask you a question? How long do you think that took? I bet it wasn't 30 seconds. I bet it wasn't 60 seconds. I bet it wasn't even five minutes. It took a little bit of time to get that hole big enough, right? You don't just get it this big and then tip him up, slide him in, right? Because then if you do that, it breaks his legs. He's paralyzed already, but now they're broken. If you do him head first, you kill him, right? I mean, shampoom. Well, Lord, he was crippled, but now he's dead. So, Lord, however you want to do that, raise him, then heal him. No, no, they didn't do that. (laughs) Then think about the strength it took with four guys to literally lower him down onto the floor where Jesus was sitting. Now, just think about this for a minute. They knew they had to get in Jesus' presence. They knew they had to get in his presence because they knew once they got in his presence, anything was possible. The other day, I went to an event at a church uh, in another community, and I didn't know a lot of people there. And when I went there, I went in, and they had round tables set up, and I sat down at a table next to a young man, and he uh, and I began to visit. And I asked him where he was from, and he said he was from there in that community. It was in Amarillo. And he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Tulia. And he said, you drove all the way over here from Tulia? And I said, well, heck yeah. I said, I've driven two hours to eat a hamburger. Right? Have y'all ever done that? Yeah, I know you have. Yes, you have. Vicky and I went to Kittaquay the other night to eat. How far is Kittaquay from here? Okay, we drove to Kittaquay. There's plenty of places to eat right here. But, I mean, if anybody says, hey, have you been to that place, Mario? It's over here out in the country, 27 miles. Well, we're going. I mean, I've ridden on airplanes and driven in cars to, to get to the ocean or to get to the beach or to get to the mountains, Right? I mean, we've gone out of our way, but when it comes to going out of our way for God, 
people are always surprised and mystified. You mean, you, now, see, I'll go to Amarillo, go to the movie, not think twice about it, go there to go eat. But this guy was like, you drove 45 minutes? You know, he didn't say for God, but that's what I heard. These guys knew, they knew they needed to get in God's presence. Listen to the next thing. They were all in. They were all in. What do you mean they were all in, Pastor? The crowd didn't stop them. Uh, the stairs didn't stop them. The ladder didn't stop them. The roof didn't stop them. How far do you go before you stop? As you're seeking God, as you're needing a miracle, as you're moving in your life, when do you finally get to the place where you think, I'm done, I'm not doing anymore? Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. He had four friends. Do you have any friends like that? that they'll fight through a crowd, they'll fight through a roof, they'll fight through tile, they'll fight through dirt, they'll fight through the religious crowd to help you get a hold of God? And are you that kind of friend that you're gonna help those around you? Hey man, I'll go the extra mile to help you find God. Here's the next thing. God was not in control, they were. Don't miss this. Like I said earlier, how come Jesus didn't say, hey, uh, you know, like Moses parting the Red Sea, hey, part that crowd and let them boys in here. He didn't do that. Isn't that interesting? Don't you find that interesting? God was not in control of that situation. They were. Anywhere along the way, they could have stopped. Anywhere along the way, they could have thrown their hands in the air and said, it's too hard, it's too inconvenient. Hey, this was a good idea, but let's just go home. But they didn't do that. God was not in control, they were. The woman with the issue of blood was in control, not Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus was in control, not Jesus. At any point in time, any of those people could have said, hey, I'm okay being blind. Hey, I'm okay having an issue of blood. Hey, I'm okay being crippled. Hey, I'm okay. I don't care. But, but they didn't do it. The last thing they did was they weren't afraid to get out of their comfort zone. Same with blind Bartimaeus. Now, let me, let me read them to you. They knew they had to get in God's presence. They were all in. They knew that God wasn't in control. They were, and they had to get out of their comfort zone. Listen, when you do that, you've created a recipe for a miracle. You've created a recipe for a miracle. Well, hey, I prayed before and I didn't get a miracle. Well, I don't care. I don't care. I've done it too. I could stand up here all morning and tell you about all the times I've prayed for miracles. They haven't happened. But I can also tell you about the times they have happened. I can see because of a miracle. My heart's beating because of a miracle. I'm alive because of a miracle. And all of you across this room have had those times in your life when something should have happened to you and it didn't because of a miracle. And God's not run out of miracles. He has not run out of the supernatural. What, what am I encouraging you to do? Listen, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's not about that, right? I hope that's not what you're hearing. Well, pastor's saying I gotta do something for God to move. And and. What I'm not saying is it's not about earning it or deserving it, but it is about reaching out. Lord Jesus, I need you to help me with my marriage, my health, my addiction, my, my, my hurts. I need peace. I've got fear. 
whatever it is. There's miracles available. You know, there's no such thing as a small miracle, amen? I, you know, I've got, I've got two beautiful granddaughters, and the youngest one is, is pretty young, and they're both miracles. But you know, every time you see a baby, it's a miracle. And I know you think, well, pastor, that's not the kind of miracle I mean. Well, what kind do you mean? Amen? What, what do you mean then? Listen, God is still in the miracle business, and I just want to encourage you to not be afraid to pray, not be afraid to believe, not be afraid to ask. Be the three Hebrew children. Be blind Bartimaeus. Be the lame man. Be the friends of the lame man. Be the guy that had mud put in his eye. He could have said, don't put no mud in my eye, fool. Couldn't he? Sure, don't do that. Don't act like that. But he said, hey, do what you gotta do. Amen? Bow your head and let me pray for you. Father God, I love you. Lord, I'm thankful for this great church. I'm thankful for this incredible body of believers. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm so thankful for all that they mean to me and all they do to influence and love my life and my family. And Father, I thank you that we are a church of miracles. We're a people of miracles. God, that we can trust you for miracles. We can believe you for miracles. No matter how many times we've been hurt or or how many times we've been disappointed, Father God, I want to start each day fresh knowing you're a God of miracles. Lord, let there be miracles among us in our family, in our children, our grandchildren, our jobs, our community, our churches, our schools, our businesses. God, that we live among miracles. And that, Father, we're not afraid to reach out. We're not afraid to reach out and trust you. Father, I pray your grace. I pray a blessing on us as we go. Father God, your grace is on us this week. And that you walk with us and you care for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you stand please?